Welcome to another edition of Market Impact Insights, your podcast source for business leadership perspectives to help your business grow. Hear from experts in marketing, sales, business strategy, and more with practical advice for business success. Make sure you won't miss the latest episodes by visiting marketimpactnow.com. Now, here's your host, Dan Albaum. Welcome back, everyone, to another amazing episode of Market Impact Insights. You know, in today's competitive marketplace, one of the key places that we can achieve true differentiation is getting better market insights. But one of the problems is how to go and get quality market intelligence, go out and find the skilled professionals, the subject matter experts that can really feed quality market intelligence. That's an example of a global challenge and problem that innovation can help solve. And we're gonna explore today uh, the whole area of innovation, creating better workplace environment, better ability to capture that market intelligence with a passionate entrepreneur. Sharek Sheikh has founded two companies in the human capital and the future of workspace. He has created businesses that have generated multi-million dollars in sales. He has a new, exciting startup, Clever X. We'll explore a little bit of that with him, but also principles of leadership to really elevate performance of teams and collaboration. And we're going to jump in. We're going to learn a little bit more about his background, which is fascinating. And then how do we as leaders really maximize the potential of our organizations? Sharek, welcome to Market Impact Insights. Hey, Dan. Um, it's a pleasure to be here. Thank you for having me. Yeah, so I want to start out. Let's go back in time. You've obviously been on this successful entrepreneurial path, but you have a very interesting background. What was the motivation for you to really have that be your mission and your passion in the professional world? Yeah, um, I think, uh, you know, I've... Uh, Traveled a lot in my life. I was very lucky to to travel over 30, 40 countries for work, for pleasure. Uh, lived in four countries, worked for some incredible brands in technology and research. Uh, for me personally, uh, I think the thing that pulls me um, uh, or, you know, every morning that I wake up excited about building what we're doing is the idea around how human species, we've built amazing things, uh, you know, for the world. Um, we always uh, try to create incredible products, services, um, you know, things that could help people solve a certain set of problems. For me, that has been at the intersection of technology and, uh, you know, market research. Uh, and I think that really excites me to build something in that space because, like you rightly said, uh, you know, one of the most important things for any business in the world today is to get it, to get that edge of knowledge um, to do better. And I think that's what we're trying to enable companies or individuals and companies to to achieve that uh, by building CleverX. Um, so I think that that would be personally building and creating would be one of my biggest, you know, passions. Uh, um, and that, that, that wakes me up every day morning, very excited. Yeah, it sounds like finding answers to questions is really part of that, what fuels that passion. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. Knowledge is, is the key here. Um, and that could come in various forms uh, for businesses. It matters a lot because there are multi-million dollar decisions that are being made. 
uh, based off of knowledge of other people expertise and i think enabling that for companies and other individuals is is a very good cause to work on for the next 5 to 10 years for us so i know over the course of time you you've spent uh, some of your professional life in more of a corporate environment you work for gartner right very knowledge based business but then now you've shifted where you're you're founding these businesses you're growing these businesses as you've been on that journey was there anything unexpected that you weren't predicting you weren't anticipating there've been surprises um it's it's not that actually so um i come from a very you know just to give you a bit of a background about me i come from a middle upper class family back in india but my father didn't have like hundreds and thousands of dollars to give me to start a business right so i had to go through the corporate route just so that i could be stable uh, you know financially uh save some money so i can start my business so i I've, i've been thinking about starting companies for a very long time uh, it's funny you asked that question because i was looking at my old hard drive you know you remember we yeah. said oh, yeah. yeah and i had a file or a folder with like all the ideas that i had written down in a in a document uh and there close to 20 ideas there uh different you know some silly ones but um the the i i mean i always had this you know um Uh, aspiration to be an entrepreneur and build build companies uh, it's just that i didn't have the resources at the time and i had to accumulate them before i take up on that journey um, so i think that's that was a good you know segue for me to work for the corporate world learn things from there um, because you can learn a lot about an industry when you work for some good companies and then bring that knowledge and experience and you know mix it with entrepreneurship and the passion that you have for a particular um you know solving a particular problem um i think that's where you know starting or building companies was the next you know evolution for me and you said something really interesting there which is that you were keeping a log so you had all of these ideas and you were writing them down or you were capturing them and i think of so many of us that have these moments of inspiration and we often don't record that right and so that yep. that that moment of of wow this is my aha moment and then we kind of lose it because we get drawn into everything else in everyday yeah. life and then we just move on those those lost opportunities but you were able to capture that yeah i, I think it it all comes down to how excited you about that idea that or the thought that came to you right or you know it's something that just came up to you in a conversation with someone very randomly it's really important to write it down and i remember when i was growing up like the mobile phones were not like the mobile phones of today they were not smartphones so it was really difficult to record those ideas or keep them so i think a hard drive was the best way for me to do it uh, but today we have got all these phones which you can just record a voice note for ourselves or like write down and you know a small paragraph about what you've been thinking about um, i think it's a good good thing to go back to those ideas and thoughts um every week maybe and see what resonates with you because sometimes you might get really excited about something on that day and maybe later down the line you're like mm, maybe this is not something i wanted to do uh, it sounded exciting at that moment um so it's it's a good habit to have uh, journaling and you know noting down these ideas um i would recommend highly recommend that to everyone yeah it makes a lot of sense so let's talk about connection and collaboration you know there's there's so much attention being put on the value i think it's it's widely recognized building uh your own network right and connecting yeah. with others maybe that have similar passions but also expanding part of your professional development is meeting and connecting with other people and then even within organizations across teams or in a partnership relationships company to company there's just 
today it feels like it's um, not always so easy to really yeah. make all of that collaboration uh, time efficient, but also effective. What, what are some of the things that makes that so challenging? Yeah, um, for me, this has been, um, you know, a journey because I moved to the U.S. I lived in Dubai and Singapore for many years before moving to the U.S. And I moved here at the time at the height of pandemic. Uh, so uh, for me, I had like zero network in the U.S. I mean, close to zero. I knew a few people, but that's about it. I think putting yourself in physical uh, spaces where you meet like-minded people who would value you being there and what you're doing uh, or building um, is a very, very, you know, um, value valuable thing. I think everyone who wants to build a good network, they should be around people that they want to be like. So I joined a lot of really good communities like founder communities in San Francisco. Um, and uh, I had the opportunity to meet some very successful and accomplished founders, uh, learn from their mistakes, um, build personal one-on-one one -on -one relationships with them. The other thing I, I learned about generally like this whole collaboration thing is we should have the mindset of giving first. A lot of people yeah. think like networking is about going and trying to extract everything out of like a conversation or getting something from that person the moment you met them. That's not the right way to network. Um, and I think that the best way to do that would be you add some value to them or give them that you or offer them something that you can, um, you know, and uh, you, you should you should basically promise something that you can deliver and then not expect anything back. I think that's where true relationships are built rather than, you know, you know, you see, you know, these networking events where people are just like hopping on like speed dating, you know, yes, meeting, yeah. meeting someone for three minutes, getting their LinkedIn and then expecting that they're going to help you out. I mean, sometimes it's possible, but that's not the right way to do it. Um, I learned this from one of the founders where he said he has a personal assistant whose job is to just keep in touch with people, people he's met personally and, you know, wish them on their anniversaries on their birthdays on festivities uh, or just send them small gifts you know to build keep that relationship going um, and i think those are the things that make a difference that's genuine collaboration relationship building rather than just like trying to extract things from people so i think give first would be one of the most important things uh, without any expectations yeah which actually ties in really closely to what's been a theme of this podcast, the book that I wrote, which was really built on the principle of servant leadership. And when you talk about a giving first mindset, that's really in line with a servant leader mindset where you set your ego aside and it's not about you. It's about how you can actually help others and lift yep. others up. So servant leadership extending into an approach to collaboration. Yep, Absolutely. Uh, I think it, it 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 should be followed in all endeavors of life, be it your personal relationships or, uh, you know, your relationship with your colleagues or your employees, investors. I think giving first is a is a really good thing, and then yeah. things just fall into place after that. Um, and and I don't think you should expect anything from anyone. You know, no one owes anyone anything. Um, we should do whatever best we can, and then you know uh, that that's how. At least to me, that has worked really well for me, uh, being in a completely new environment. Yeah, and that connection and collaboration, that's really hard sometimes, even in the research field, right? Where you're yeah. trying to get, and again, that's a more targeted where you have a specific objective and where you really benefit from someone's expertise. But 
that can be challenging too. And so you got to figure out how do you, how can you make that easier? Absolutely. Um, I think uh, what we're trying to build here with CleverX is a problem that we are so- trying to solve, which happens on LinkedIn a lot. So LinkedIn being this largest, you know, dominant professional network in the world, it's really difficult for people, even though we can discover people and find people there, but it's very difficult for us to build a relationship because of the spam and trust issues LinkedIn has. And most of the market researchers, especially in the B2B space, uh, be it a product researcher, UX researcher, or a market researcher trying to find some insights from knowledgeable people, when they reach out to someone on LinkedIn, it's very difficult for them to, to have that relationship because uh, because of spam. And, you know, it's there's no monetization mechanism. And people are like, okay, I don't know this person. Why should I even, like, reply back to their in-mail or uh, a request? And I think that's a problem CleverX has, you know, solved for market researchers where we have given, you know, access to thousands of, um, you know, senior business leaders and they can reach out to them through a platform, chat with them and conduct research um, very easily, probably 10x faster than they could before using LinkedIn or other, um, you know, uh, options that are out there. But uh, I think uh, that's the future where, you know, marketplaces will, which which have a trust mechanism built within them. Uh, is is where the future is when it comes to collaboration, not just in the research space, but any kind of work that needs to happen, um, you know, where you need to connect with people outside the organization where trust doesn't exist, right? Um, So I think a lot of of marketplaces, um, you know, which are built on that framework would solve this problem for people. Yeah. And I think ultimately drive more of the authenticity in the relationships from the outset, as opposed to just a transactional kind of mindset. Yeah. Yeah. Right. yeah. yeah. You're yeah. absolutely right. Um, I, I think, you know, one thing we learned, we thought like people used a marketplace mostly to earn money uh, and like millions of dollars are being earned every year from our marketplace. So it's a huge pool of people that earn money every week, every month. Uh, what what I learned is that most of the people, for them, money is like a and uh, a, a reason for you to be serious to be working with them. The actual reason for people to collaborate is to do something exciting, which is not a part of their job. Uh, and the other one is like helping someone out. So it's an innate thing among human beings, right? We want to help someone out. Um, and I think enabling that uh, trust uh, and uh, giving people access to that is, has been really, re- like really a learning lesson for us. Uh, money is not everything is what we've learned in, in, in the entire process. Fascinating. And obviously, over the last few years, there's been so much disruption out in work environments, you know, just the physical nature of how we work, you know, less physical co-location, more virtual work, uh, just the whole dynamic of how relationships and communication is going. When you look at the future of work, Sharak, what, what do yeah. you see? Where do you see it going? I think uh, a lot of people are talking about this whole hybrid model, which is, you know, partly remote work, partly, um, you know, from your, uh, you know, office space where people come together for a day or two to work together on things. I think that's a great model for some teams, especially for larger organizations. In the startup world, I think it should be uh, fully, you know, um, a physical 
uh, collaboration space. This is my learning out of running a remote team of 15 people right now with CleverX. Um, I think there's this serendipity to uh, the idea of working together in the same physical space. You end up discussing on things um, that were not a part of the agenda. Because when you go on a call with someone, there is clearly like a goal why you're on the call uh, and nothing else gets discussed, which is not great for startups. So that's that has been my one learning in, in my world. But when I look outside um, on how things co- or how people collaborate on a platform like CleverX, where there are thousands of interactions happening every month, uh, what I've learned is the future of work is not just about work from home policies or go- getting into a physical space. The dynamic of the work has also changed. What I mean by that is senior business professionals, people who are manager or above to C-level execs, a lot of them are choosing now to work on things uh, which are not exactly their core job. So my prediction, which is probably very contrary to a lot of people, but I feel that's going to happen in the next couple of decades is people are going to do three or four days of full-time work with one employer. And the other couple of days, they're going to do side hustles which okay. could be for monetizing or it could be something totally different that's not related to their, you know, three to four days of full-time job. Uh, and we are seeing that a lot, um, you know, just looking at the conversations people are having on the platform. Uh, so people, even at senior positions, are thinking about like, hey, I don't have to do nine to five, like for all the five days of the week, I can do it for three days. The other two days I'm going to consult or I'm going to just one day spend on, you know, gardening because that's my passion. And I think that's that's where the future of work is. It's going to be a mix of part-time and full-time jobs. And that population is increasing uh, in terms of percentage all around the world. And I think pandemic was a catalyst for it, but I'm, I'm really excited about that future. Yeah, that's fascinating. It's a much more diversified model for just our own professional identities. It's not linked to the old monolithic, uh, you know, I'm working in this corporation for 20 years and I'm just going to kind of rise in a very predictable way. This is a much more fluid and dynamic and personalized journey. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I mean, of course, you know, you need some, um, there are, there's a lot of context behind it, depending on every individual's personal life, you know, there's financial um, you know, uh, reasons, there could be reasons around family traveling. Uh, and uh, pe- some people who would have that flexibility um, around, you know, taking up two or three different jobs in a week um, is is that number seems to be growing. And that number is growing, especially when uh, the, the baby boomers are out of the working class and the other generations, which are millennials or people after them, Gen X, Gen Y, they are they seem to be more accepting of this kind of work. Um, and as soon as, as they grow go up in the corporate ladder, we're going to see that happen a lot. So we'll see a lot of change in company policy and governance when it comes to employee job, you know, or relationship management. Um, and and that that is something that I see happen uh, quite frequently now, even in senior positions. So in the next 10 to 20 years, it's it's going to be a normal, you know, it's, it's going to be a norm where people might take up two jobs every week or three jobs um, and, and you know, do things that they enjoy more rather than just like sticking to one corporate job, nine to five. And, you know, there's a lot of time and attention that leaders are putting with the, the changing 
model even in existing corporate environments today, going more virtual or hybrid, as you talked about. And the intent is there. The desire is there is to create, you know, this healthy, this really positive, this highly collaborative workspace. But what are some of the common mistakes you see in the efforts to try to get there? Yeah, Uh, I mean, there's so many of them. I mean, I've personally made a lot of mistakes. Um, I see a lot of founders that I've worked with um, or, you know, probably have personally invested some money in these startups uh, and large companies where um, some some employees are forced to work in a certain way um, that doesn't feel right for the employees. So you're not going to get the best work out of them because they're just not happy in that environment. Um, the the big thing that I've seen, which is, um, you know, in a hybrid environment, and you see that in San Francisco a lot these days, is some employees are told, like, you have to be five days at work or three days at work um, in in this week. And those three days, the manager chooses for an employee. Um, so the, giving some flexibility, because, like, people are still coming out of that pandemic funk, uh, you know, um, would be helpful. And I was recently talking to someone who works at one of the largest big tech companies. And he's like, they are, you know, putting certain percentage points on performance if you're not there in the office on those days. And he's like, it's difficult for me to do it on those days because I'm taking care of my children, dropping them off to the school. So I think that more flexibility, you know, for the employees would be a good thing. But I also understand that on the other on the flip side, for these companies, their performance has dropped drastically. We saw that in the st- in the stock market in 2022, where there was a lot of, you know, fat in the companies where they've hired a lot of people in 2020, yeah. 2021. Uh, and now companies are feeling the pressure from the stock market because the performance is not great with so many people in the company. So a lot of big companies have actually gone down in performance per employee productivity after doing after moving 100% work from home. Uh, Because there are 10 things that are pulling employees away, right, from work at home. Uh, And, you know, you need focused work to get things done. So it's it's a balance that these leaders have to strike um, to to make sure that they come back to that same performance with this hybrid model. And that's not easy. Yeah, that is challenging. And, of course, something else that's challenging for company founders and CEOs, senior leaders is culture and just nourishing a culture that's healthy and sustainable. And I've had guests on this show and what I hear is that, you know, one of the toughest things they say that they have to do is how do you establish and then sustain culture? Looking yeah. at your experience, what, what's worked well for you to be able to do that? Yeah, I think the most important thing, um, I mean, the culture part is, I, I personally feel that culture of a company is a reflection of the founder's personality um, or at least the top leadership's personality. So when you see a company that doesn't treat its employees or customers or partners well, uh, it is clearly stemming from top down and not bottoms up. Um, so you can't blame employees for it as I, I think the responsibility totally lies on the leadership of the company, good or bad. The other thing that I've also learned is uh, you you want to start looking at people from the hiring or recruitment stage. Are they a good fit in terms of personality uh, to your team? And 
So it has to not just be the skills and the expertise that they bring into the company and they can get the job done in the best way possible, but will they work well with the existing team? So one uh, or a couple of things that we are really proud of is we have built a, uh, a system or the culture is such that if someone slacks in a team, everyone will question that person because no one wants the entire team's performance to go bad. Uh, and that builds like this, this uh, uh, you know, uh, a culture in a company where people are going to make sure that everyone delivers irrespective of me as a founder looking at every individual and checking on their performance. And I think having that is uh, that setup is really, really valuable when the company scales. The other thing that I personally care about is uh, integrity. Uh, so we we made a small policy change where we said uh, a lot of times people, you know, if they don't feel like working, they put a sick leave uh, so that, you know, it's a paid leave. Uh, we put a we put a small rule in place like if you don't feel like working you don't have to put a sick leave you can just slack your manager or uh, you know the entire company or the team that hey I don't feel like working today and it's still going to be a paid leave what that has done in our company is people do not lie anymore about having a bad day at work because you've taken away the the uh, you know reason for them to put it as a sick leave and you know just those small things make a huge difference and people can be honest with each other about every small thing uh, and that changes the entire dynamic of you know how people work with each other especially in remote environments where it's very difficult to know who's doing what um, and and you know how they're performing so uh, measuring that is difficult for companies so i think Going back to the basics of, you know, having a very uh, ethical, uh, you know, honest uh, culture in the company would help remote teams do better uh, rather than putting policies in place, which make it difficult for people to say the truth. Yeah. Transparency is a, a powerful thing, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Now, Let's stay on this this track about leadership and the role of leadership. You know, we've talked a little bit about culture, but when you just look at the opportunity and what leadership is all about, if you think about exceptional leadership, how do you see that as being different than just good enough? Yeah, I think good enough is like really a, a bad thing. <laughs> I, yeah, because, uh, you know, we, we tend to stick to good enough and good enough makes mediocre companies, makes mediocre employees, uh, mediocre outcomes for those companies. I think you should strive for greatness or exceptional uh, excellence. Um, I, I, I personally think the major difference is when you're not forcing people to do things um, as, a, as a lead, be it like a manager uh, of a team or senior leadership or a founder um, of a company. I think it's more about bringing that um, you know, influence bringing that inspiration to the team members that you don't have to check on them for getting certain tasks done in the best way possible. One thing I've learned is about self-identity, which has been like a big learning lesson for me. If you can build this, you know, um, self-identity among like every employee that they are the best at what they do, you, you can change the performance of the team from good to great. 
And I've seen that happen. Um, giving you a small example, we have a designer. We hired our first designer. She was just 22 years old. And uh, we were looking at a first design of our, our platform. And I was showing her different companies, who, which I admired. I'm like, this looks incredible as a design. And she's like, Sharik, I'm just 22 years old. I don't know if I can do this. Right? I don't know. These people, you know, they're in Silicon Valley and they have access to all these amazing resources. They look so smart. And, you know, I think they know so much more. I said, uh, the the whole concept, the idea at that time was she's already feeling lesser about herself while taking up this project. So I had to work from ground up with her to make her feel that she is awesome and she can do this. She just needs to put in the time and the effort and learn the basics and the small details about how exceptional design is created and i'm very proud of the team now the the kind of work they put in the platform one of the big compliments we get all the time is the user experience and the user design uh, of the platform um and it's it's done by a 22 23 year old uh, which is incredible so just having making them believe that they can do amazing things and having that self-identity that i am the top one person in that particular space it doesn't matter if there are like people who have 10 years more experience than me they can actually achieve that performance. Um, so I think that has been a learning lesson for me, you know, and we try to keep that in our culture very strongly. What a great story. And it's really testament to empowerment, right? Taking an empowered approach and say, you've got this. And so a leader that communicates that confidence and trust, I mean, it's hard to even quantify the impact of that. But what you said is that literally, um, you know, you were this kind of critical catalyst to help help them be able to overcome their fears or or their feelings of uh, of not being worthy enough or, or yeah. able enough to do it, and and then to see it happen must yeah. be just totally exhilarating on the other side. Yeah, uh, I think yeah. the the most important thing there for me was that she was able to say that to me. Because a lot of employees struggle with that part. It's like, if I say that to my founder or my manager, what is he or she going to think about me? I think giving them that safe space to talk about their, you know, vulnerabilities, insecurities around work is the most important thing. Because if you don't, if you can't have that conversation in the first place, you cannot, and you, you as a founder have no idea what they're thinking and why there's, uh, you know, what's really going on behind the scenes. Uh, and having that safe space for employees where you say it's okay to make mistakes. It's okay to share that I'm not good enough. We'll figure out a way together to do that is the most important thing rather than, um, you know, you know, just like, Hey, go out there, build the best product that's possible without even knowing like how the other person is feeling. Um, is, is, I, I don't think you can get the outcome, um, that we got. Um, and, and we're maintaining that in the company. Now everyone's very open about, sharing what they're not good at that starts with the founder like i have to tell them like hey i'm not good at this right and uh, i don't know i don't have all the answers uh, you guys will have to help me figure this out so once you show that they are open to do that as well well it sounds like you're very conscious of avoiding smartest person in the room syndrome which is uh, brilliant to kind of stay away from that and so when you think about your career What's yep. the best piece of business advice you've ever received? I think for for me personally, um, what I've learned is uh, a lot of people give intelligence and hard work 
uh, as the primary reasons for success, I think we miss out on one really important dimension there, uh, which I learned from one of my mentors. And he said, everyone's smart today. Yet show me people who are not smart, who are building things, you know, show me people who are not hardworking. So what is it that you have versus, uh, you know, them? Or what, what would be one of the biggest differentiators for anyone to be successful? And I've given this a lot of thought. I think courage is something that we do not talk about. And that's one of the biggest indicators of someone's success. So if you look at anyone in in different fields in life, right? Be it like running a, you know, nonprofit to a startup or, you know, just an athlete. Uh, it has always been about courage, not just intelligence and, uh, you know, hard work, because there are a lot of people who are more hardworking than you. And there are a lot of people who are more intelligent than us. So uh, I think the thing that differentiates people is having that ability to, to you know, have the courage to go out there and put whatever you're building uh, to the world, not, you know, worry too much. Um, and I think that has been one of the biggest advice for me. So now I, I always talk to people about this particular trait, which matters as much as, you know, intelligence and hard work. Yeah, that really resonates. It's really facing the fear, right? Back to your urge statement and the ability to just look fear uh, straight in the eye, to use that yeah. analogy, and and then have the perseverance and the resilience to just take that next step forward. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, and I think, uh, you know, a lot of people struggle with it for the right reasons because um, there, there are certain things in our lives that happen and we, we build certain frameworks around how do we perceive something and, you know, to what degree do you want to go and fail. Uh, but I think it's an, unless you are not courageous enough, you cannot do exceptional things, um, you know, as an employee or as an employer, um, a company or even a nation, right? You, you've got to do those things. Now, when you think about the future, yeah, what makes you optimistic? I think um, for me, it's uh, the boundaries technology is pushing right now, uh, especially with what's happening in the world of AI. Um, and I'm really excited about, you know, how it's going to change the way people work. I'm more excited about how it's going to make our lives easier. Of course, there are going to be things which are not going to be that great, uh, which is a part of, you know, uh, change. Uh, but I, I remember this line from Steve Jobs where he talks about, uh, you know, uh, human beings are like the slowest compared to every animal uh, in the world when it comes to like speed. But the moment you give it a bicycle, uh, a human being can go longer distance faster than many animals, right? And I think that's what AI is going to do for us. It's like the next revolution after internet. We already use it in multiple places. And I think now it has gotten that, uh, you know, attention from the world with, with amazing products coming out. And it's going to change the way we do things. So I'm really excited about that. Um, and uh, I, I'm really looking forward to, you know, having those things into built into our product as well that could help uh, product researchers and market researchers get their job done more faster, reliably, um, and, and in the way that has never been done before. It is exciting. And it almost feels that the rate of when we start seeing visibly that 
additional change, it seems like that's even getting faster. Like literally yeah. weeks or months. And we're not talking about years. It almost feels like that pace is is picking up, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. I think this the speed is incredible. And I think big companies are putting a lot of like the big tech, especially the Google, Meta, um, and uh, Microsoft. These guys are investing billions of dollars into these products to uh, put it into hands of a regular consumer. So if you look at like Office, uh, they're putting these AI, you know, components into the product or Google is trying to do something with the search and chat GPT. So all these products are going to make it consumerized, which means that a normal person would start using it in their day-to-day life, be it sending emails or, you know, building a design or something like that. And uh, that that is true adoption, uh, which unfortunately the Web3 blockchain did not get. Um, but I think AI is is that um, next wave that is going to change use cases very rapidly uh, because there's money being put into it. There are a lot of smart people working into um, you know these startups and companies which are building AI products. Um, so I think it's going to be in the next three to five years are going to be fascinating. What an exciting time it's going to be! So yeah. as we start winding up the conversation. Do you have any other final advice for business leaders that are looking to drive long-term growth? Yeah, uh, I think the most important thing is um, to care about your customers the most. Um, What we learned as a startup is like nothing matters uh, except the market. What I mean by that is you've got to build products and services which people genuinely care about and not just are not just buying out of hype or because you have a relationship with them or you've raised money you know, from some big VC, uh, it all boils down to your customers using your product, uh, spending money on it frequently, and they're happy and they're happy to even share it with their peers in the industry. I think that should be the most primary goal for every single company. And um, every single founder and CEO should care about that rather than you know, all the other things which could be like secondary import of secondary importance, you know. Uh, so building things which people care about and building them really well, uh, which are not just incrementally better, but, ex- you know, exponentially better than what's out there in the in that space uh, would be my small suggestion, you know, um, because that mindset has helped us a lot, you know, growing the company at least 5x in the last one and a half years. Impressive growth. Well, Sharek, thanks again for joining and sharing your story and really inspiring us around the potential of really dynamic but highly productive workplace of the future. Yeah, I'm, I'm really happy to have the chat with you, Dan. Thank you so much for having me. And a reminder, please continue to give the gift of feedback to help make this podcast better. You can go out, rate, and review. It's really easy to do out on all the major podcast platforms, Apple, Spotify. And as always, make sure to visit marketimpactnow.com for the latest in business leadership perspectives. So long until next time.